Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. And I just think for Davey going forward in his managerial career, I think it's at a crossroads now where he's going to have to probably look at himself and look at where he's going forward. Like, you know, if I'm sure he has aspirations going forward for the next couple of years stay managing at the top level in the county. I mean, the IE, the Liam McCarthy teams. And if he has those aspirations, he's got to, he's got to adapt. He's got to, he's got to change, change his, his ways of, of thinking. Hello and welcome to the Troy and Hurling Show with me, Michael Verney. And this week, I'm also joined by the A-team of Eddie Brennan and John Milan. And I'm delighted to have another A-lister with us today. The one and only Cyril Farrell. Cyril, how are you? Good morning. I'm good, though. Sun shining down here. So, sun shining, it's not shining down in Waterford, I'd say. Well, it might be su- shining, John, but it's definitely not shining on your championship hopes anyway. Um, John, we get straight into it. Uh, Saturday evening, it finished 2.22 to Clare, 16 points to Waterford. I'd imagine as a, as a Waterford man, a hugely disappointing campaign so far, but a hugely disappointing performance on Saturday evening. Um, how do you digest it? Just 16 points in a championship game, where do you start? Well, I was probably one of the lucky ones, and probably one of the lucky ones of many that didn't turn up uh, Saturday. I was down in Cork at, at, uh, at my nephew's communion, so um, I didn't have to sit through it. So, uh, yeah, um, I mean, where do you, where do you start? Uh, as, a, as a whole, the league as a whole, as a championship as a whole, um, thoroughly, thoroughly disappointing. Um you know, when you break down the three games to date, uh, it's hard to take any positives out of really, with the exception of 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 the Limerick game for what the best part of of fifty minutes. There's probably an air of frustration around the county at, at the present moment of time, and I think particularly, I think it's more out of the way we are kind of going about our business and how, how we're going, approaching games and, you know, attacking games. And look, that was evident again the weekend. I know, look, take take the take the sending off. You know, Callum Lines was sent off, but aside from that, I, I was watching the match and, oh, lads, it was, it was you know, it, it's 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 hard to watch. It's hard to watch. And I think who in the aftermath, I was listening to James O'Connor in the aftermath and he's saying like, you know, what's Waterford's identity? Like, what is our identity, you know, in, in, in play, you know? And, you know, when you throw in a lot of fragile players, and for me, crazy outdated tactics, it's going to result in one thing, and that's that's going to be, you know, a catastrophe, uh, you know, a disaster. And it was, again, it was it was another disaster 
resulted again the weekend. And you know, you're looking on at some of the some of the stuff and how how they set up, like you know, playing with no full forward line for 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 certain stages of the match. You know, look, own own Kelly for me was probably one of the best players of our inside players of our generation. And like, I'm just asking the question, like, where's where's he in all this? Like, where, like, how could he stand over? You know, I know Davey probably sets out his thought, how can he stand over? You know, cutting out a team to go and play in the manner in which which they did Saturday night, in the manner in which they did the previous Sunday against against Cork. And look, an awful lot of Wolver supporters they're they're voting not to go because you know they're just not they're just not taken back by you know the style of play. You know, when you think of Wolver teams down through the years, you know you always went, you know. I touched on a Saturday, you know, go and express yourself, have a go, you know, off, off the call hurling. Um, and we're just not seeing, we're not seeing any of that. And and I just think for Davey going forward, you know, I think even Davey in his managerial uh, career, I think it's at a crossroads now where he's going to have to probably look at himself and look at where he's going forward. Like, you know, if, you know, if he's to survive, I'm sure he has aspirations going forward for the next couple of years, stay managing at the top level in the county. I mean, the IE, the Liam McCarthy teams. And if he has those aspirations, he's got to, he's, he's got to, he's got to adapt. He's got to, he's got to change, change his, his ways of, of thinking. You know, as we all know, what you done seven, eight years ago, even four, three, four years ago, you know, it's not going to cut the cheese now. So, I don't know where where do we go from here. It's it, it, it's it's hard to know. Look where we have to go from here. We have to, we have to play another match in in two weeks' time against Tipperary, and that's going to be extremely difficult for players in the next two weeks. You know they're going to have to go out for the integrity of the competition. They're going to have to go out and they're going to have to give, you know, throw the shoulder to the wheel and, and give some level of performance. Um, but as a whole, it's. It's uh, it's 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 fierce, fierce, fierce disappointment down here in Waterford. Daryl, I'll just bring you in because I know you've been involved with Davy uh, in LIT for years. As long as he was there, I think you were probably there with him, helping him out. John just said about maybe outdated tactics. What would be your own thoughts on that? Were, like, were you happy looking at the way Waterford were playing, or what were your own kind of views on it? Well, like you see, Mike, when you look at it closely, it's probably a follow-on from last year. Like they had great stuff in the league last year, and then for whatever reason didn't perform at all. And all of a sudden, you had everyone saying, "Well, the dressing room uh, they were turning the, uh, against the Cad, but it brought them that far." Like all of a sudden, things went down, and I would think that's still there. Like you know, it's hard to get over that. And then when you start losing players, kind of the likes top players like Tabarka and like Davy Style wouldn't suit everyone, but like. He's only three or four months in it. Now, that's, going, that's going, not going to cut any ice in Waterford. But like when things are bad, it, it seems to go from bad to worse and things can happen. Like in both the games that I, that I saw against Limerick and against uh, Clare the last night, or against yeah, Limerick and Clare, like they had a lot of, even last night, even not playing well, they had a lot of chances in the first half for a trouble out of wise. Everything going over gives you a different, you know, space altogether at halftime. But they came out late, coming out the second half and then and, and Clare took over. But I, I, to people wouldn't want to be underestimating. I know Watford aren't good, but to me, people are underestimating Clare a bit. I think Clare are a lot stronger than people think, knowing them and knowing the quality they have coming through. They're, they're better than people think, and they're real All Ireland contenders because, like, 
they get out of Munster, they will fear no one the way they're going. And they found a few players, you know, but like, go back to Watford, we're going to have to go back, as John says, maybe hurl, let them hurl off the cuff a bit more. Like, you know, instinct, a lot of hurling is instinct. And, you know, you need lads to take the scores when the chance is on. Like, the, 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 we'll call it the extra man back or the sweeper or the six plus one, whatever you want to call it. Like, that, that gives you only five up front. But even then, at times, as John said there, there was no one up front. That was, that's where the, it's kind of, it's hard to look at. But yet, even yesterday, the weekend, like, they still had chances. Like, they missed one vital goal against, you know, and then down the field, it, it turns over completely. Tony Kelly tracked back, took a great ball off that young Mark Fitzgerald, who had a great campaign with, with the new this year, and he's a good lad, but took it the next thing and wind up on the net other side. Small things like that. When things are going against you, everything seems to go against you. But, sir, sir we, 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 we had... I, I, set aside the, the two games... The last few games in the championship last year against um, Cork and you know the capitulation down and down down in Ennis, but we kind of had some form of identity under under Callow. We had some form of style that you know would you know it was an attacking style. It was it was it would get you off the edge of your seats. Like we were, and you know what we were doing, we were creating and we were scoring goals. We're not creating. We don't look like we're creating goal, goal opportunities, and we don't look like we're going to score a goal. Barred a few, with the exception of, of a few opportunities um, down, down in Pogley Creek. I mean, we're, we're after playing three games in the championship and we're, we haven't registered one goal. And I just I just feel like, I just think Davey, you know, it's, 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 one, it's one way in regards, you know, you know, outside of, you know, he has probably, you know, game plans here and there, but it, it always reverts back to having the extra bodies at the back and you know, contain, c- containing and flooding that area back there with, with bodies. But I just feel that sometimes he needs to have a little plan B or a, or, a, or a plan C, and just you know go for it a bit more. Like you know, you even say take the instance the weekend where the the, the Jamie Barron the Jamie Barron opportunity it was a high ball into Austin. Austin broke a little bit of consternation there in the back line. Barron pulled nearly in the back of the net. I just feel that you know Davy going forward. He needs to bring a bit more of that into it, and you know, just go for it a bit more. I think if 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 he can do that, and I just think it's, I think he's at a crossroads now where he has to kind of look at it. Even maybe as I said to you off here, sit down with the likes yourself, have a cup of coffee, sit down to you know real experienced hurling lads, and say, well, look, where do we go from here? What do you think I should do? And and probably get a bit of advice off of other people, and take that on board, and if and and. Bring that into next year. But I just think he needs to find something different that reverts back to having the extra bodies at the back. Yeah, well, I think, John, he, he, he'll have to do that because he's going to see that what he's doing isn't working. So, like, you know, he's going to have to change and get the team, I suppose, believing in the change, like, and, and rise them up again. It's a tough, it's a tough situation to be in, like, you know, like when you kind of start on the rules and run and kind of keep in the kind of no light at the end of the tunnel. But knowing him, he'll keep at it. But as you say, he's going to have to change. And, like, yeah, he would like keeping extra defenders back. But, like, a lot of them will keep extra defenders back now. And, like, I know. The goal has been matches, but I could see Limerick, of course, started to win all Ireland with near a goal, but they're a very good side. And yet, Waterford ran with a dependent colour. Look, there's only one way that Waterford can go now, and that's that, that's up, like, because like, they've been to kind of a rock level. You know, that's that's where I look at it. Well, I can tell you, speaking from experience and awfully, I can tell you, wherever you think rock bottom is, is you can always, you can always go a bit further, unfortunately, because we hit several, we hit several different rock bottoms before turning the tide. Eddie, I'll give you the last word on Waterford. Um, 
you know, how does a team go from All Ireland contenders last year, like serious All Ireland contenders, um, uh, with many people saying they're the best squad in the game after league, including myself, rightly or wrongly, to where they are now, where they're averaging a little under 18 points per game in three championship games, no goals, and you know, obviously the fact that they've lost 16 games, championship games this year across minor, under 20, and senior across both codes. Like, where do they go from here now? Oh, I don't know. It's just, it's deeply frustrating because you look at them and again, last year, I thought arguably over the last couple of years, they, they played their best hurling under Cal because it was, it was a very direct style. And look, the, the man with the most experience in this group is Searle and he'll tell you straight out. And, and I suppose he was the man that hatched the plan years ago in, in 1986 or 87 with uh, deploying Joe Cooney out the field a little bit. What were you doing ultimately? You were keeping things tight at the back and you were trying to create space for your forwards to operate in. You know, Hurland hasn't changed dramatically. Yes, there's set-ups, yes, there's set plays and all this type of stuff. But the reality is, to win any match, you have to go forward and score. You cannot defend. You cannot kind of everyone sit back. It's finding that balance. But equally, you have to make sure, first and foremost, you're, you're solid at the back. And then just totting up the players they have available to them. Like, it makes for massive reading if you're looking at that group, like... Prunty at full-back, Deborka centre-back, Conor Leeson in the corner, Lyons, Fagan. There's a few I'm missing out on, obviously, there as well. Up front, if you had six forwards with Austin at 10, Jamie Barron at 11, Montgomery 12, Desi, Kylie at full, and then Fitzgerald or Patrick Curran. There's others there. Like, there's phenomenal attack and talent there. And look, on John's point with, with Owen Kelly, I would, uh, I would argue very, very little input into that because Davey, to be, you know, I suppose he has to be his own man. But I'm not sure, does he take much input from the outside? Because I couldn't see the fingerprints of someone like Owen Kelly on that team. You know, and I think, you know, I suppose looking at a few little bits and pieces there, you're, you know, you're talking about, I think these Waterford players, right, I think they're very confused over the last seven, eight years. Because if you look at what maybe the system that Derek had, and then you blend that in with, you know, a couple of years there where he got them to a point, and, and I made this point before, I arguably, the night that Watford went to Croke Park, and I think they went seven or eight up on Kilkenny, was 16 maybe? 16 the year, yeah, Kilkenny, the year before they, they beat them, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they destroyed Kilkenny with, with kind of, Kilkenny probably looked at that match and said, look, they'll, they'll, they'll defend the numbers. But they actually went all out. They hunted Kilkenny down, they attacked Kilkenny. And they same the following year when they actually made the breakthrough, uh, I think you look at, was it, uh, what's his name, your club mate was full forward, uh, Jake. He got two goals, I think, that night above in Torles. So the, the players were there. And then maybe the setup then evolved a little bit. Parik Fanning, I suppose, was in and out very quickly. And then arguably under Cal, it, it flipped completely to a very direct style of hurling. And then Davy, you know, came with something completely different. So I'd argue that these Waterford players maybe have been spoon-fed a little bit too much and, and, and taken out, maybe figuring things out for yourself sometimes because... I think the basics in hurling, right? You have to have a game plan. You have to have a setup. You have to have a plan B and plan C or what do we do? But ultimately, players have to be able to think for themselves on the pitch. And I think some of that maybe is taken away from these lads. And, you know, the last point, you know, maybe it's been two systems based and, and at certain times you flip from one to the other. But I think the one thing that's probably missing and, and I think it's the one thing that I always associate with Waterford and, and the days that I think that, you know, Waterford, John's team, Pop does you know, the 07 league final, they brought the thunder, they brought the fire that day. And I think any day that Waterford played their best hurling, I thought, in that time, 
when you pull on your county jersey and you're putting in, and I'm not saying these Waterford lads don't, but it didn't look evident in their performances over the last few years. I think, you know, aside from game plans and stuff, you have to bring the fire. You have to bring that championship uh, physicality and heart. And I think then it's when you start doing that and you're in the battles, then I suppose your hurling will, will start to kick into gear. Your hurling instincts will start to kick in. But I just feel Waterford, they're too hamstrung by a system maybe. That's, that would be my assessment of it. And I think when you look at the squad they have, lads, there's too much attack and talent there to not you know, be orientated towards creating space for those guys to run into, creating a game plan that allows Jamie Barron to pick up ball around midfield and carry hard. Kylie inside, Desi inside, whoever that is, Neil Montgomery, again, another big physical unit able to carry ball. And ultimately then Austin. You know, I want to see Austin Gleeson, maybe that free role as a 15 going out as a fourth half forward or something where he can use his hurling instincts. But they are at a big crossroads. And I just think the last point I'll make, I think the Waterford County Board perhaps need to sit down and there needs to be a bit of hard chat with you know, Davy Fitz and say, like, where is this going or what's the plan going forward? And, the, you know, you're kind of saying, because we're not seeing a real identity in these lads. You know, we can't be anyone else. We have to be Watford and we obviously have to have a game plan, but we have to bring the best values of what Watford Hurland is and what Watford Hurland stands for. And and I, I, I think Davy, I think Davy, you know, potentially will, will do that, uh, Eddie, you know, he's, he's experienced enough to know that he's probably at a crossroads now that he probably needs to go and do that. But you're honestly right. And Jackie Terry touched on it. These lads, these players cannot get a free pass and hide behind, oh, it, it, you know, it was the tactics or, you know, we weren't allowed to express ourselves. I think Brendan Thomas touched on it at the weekend. You know, there's no tactics in, 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 you know, making yourself run or, or committing a tackle or put your, put your body on the line. So a lot of these players now, you know, you know, have to have a good look at themselves too and say, well, look, lads, where are we going now? Because for all the good days, Eddie, you know, you know, you, what you don't want in your career is horrible, bad days outnumbering the good days that they're after having. And, you know, a lot of these lads are, are you know, a lot of these horrible, bad days are starting to toten up now and they're nearly starting to weigh the, the good days and the good memories that they're after having. So a lot of these Waterford players going forward, not alone Davy. So it can't all just fall on, on yeah, Davy. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. These, a, a lot of these Waterford players now, and I say these, this is a Waterford person, and I say this a Waterford supporter, and I know a lot of these players need to have a good look at themselves as well. John, can I just throw a last one to you on this? Ballygunner are going for 10 in a row in the Waterford Senior Hurling Championship this year. Um, Maybe you could say for, for a team that's so strong at club level and has, you know, some of the best club players in the country. Number one, I'd ask you, is the representation at county level as big as it should be? And number two, is their dominance a good thing for Waterford Hurling and for the Waterford Senior Hurling squad? Well, this is the big debate down here at Waterford. Uh, uh, at the present moment of time, you know, the narrative out there is, is, is a strong ballet gunner you know, good for Waterford or Hurling or isn't it good for Waterford or Hurling? I think it ain't good for Waterford or Hurling. Um, but look, if, if you question that, what's then thrown back at you then is that, look, it's up to all the other clubs to get up to their levels. And the biggest challenge 
the Waterford County Board have going forward is, you know, there's going to be enormous pressure that's going to come on now in regards, you know, we've got to have a look at our development squads, getting the best lads involved in the development squads. Now, that's all right, but they have a big, big problem here, right? If it's being thrown back at you from like my own club, De La Salle, that it's up to the other clubs to get up to their level to try and close the gap and try and make our club competitions competitive. That's grand. Your club lads need your best lads involved in your underage structures. Because what's happening out in Ballygunner is, right, Ballygunner are a big powerhouse. But what they have, they've top-class lads that are only out of inter-county hurling that are putting everything into their underage structures, right? And they're building their underage structures like a county setup, right? So what is happening then is it's showing it back to the other clubs. We've got to try and go and follow suit, close that gap. So what that does is it takes, that requires your best lads being involved in your club setups. I'll give you an example, like my own club, De La Salle. We're starting to win a couple of club competitions, like the likes of Kevin Moore and Jake Dillon, Eddie Barrett, three lads who are probably recently retired out of, out of Inter-County, right? Putting in unbelievable work underage. But if we were to lose those three lads to development squads, we then can't replace them with the same quality lads with the same expertise. So we are never going to close the gap. And that's where the problem lies with an awful lot of the clubs. Other clubs are trying to follow suit. But to try and close that gap and to try and get up the Bally Gunners level, that takes resources, it takes time, it takes manpower. So this is the biggest challenge the Waterford County Board are going to have in regards to development squads going forward if they want to try and get the best lads in is, you know, you're going to have that, you know, argument between club and county. Am I going to throw it into the club or am I going to throw it into the county? If you throw it into the club or into the county, your club is going to then suffer and you're not going to close the gap against Bally Gunner. And look, going back to, to, to Bally Gunner, look, Bally Gunner are going for 10 in a row they're after winning an All-Ireland. And I just feel for Bally Gunner, if, if your club competitions are diluted, right, if they're diluted, right, and you don't have a hard competitive club championship from, from say, under 12s up, up to senior, right? It's not any good for the Bally Gunner player also, because I'll tell you why. If they're not so used to rolling up their sleeves and getting it hard at club level, they then go to their county and it's chalk and cheese how competitive it is. And when, you ha- when you're asking the player then to go and roll up the sleeves at their county, they don't know what how to de- sometimes how to de- deal because they're not getting they're not getting tested at club level. Now that look that's not having to go at Bally Gunner. I just don't think it's any good for the Bally Gunner player either. And that's not set aside. You know, Desi Hutchin is 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 an unbelievable talent. Patrick Patrick Fitzgerald. But to answer your question, for our dominance, you know, they probably could be getting a bit more bit more out of the Bally Gunner project for for their dominance and over Ireland. Yeah, I'm sure that club versus county debate is going to rage on in Waterford. I'm sure there'll be some fairly frank conversations over the next couple of months as well. But we should probably focus on the winners maybe a bit more. Uh, Cyril, you mentioned you mentioned there about Clare. Where are Clare in the All-Ireland picture for you, Cyril? Um, they're the only team that have, that have beaten Limerick, obviously, in Championship in the last four years outside of that All-Ireland semi-final win that Kilkenny had in 19. Like, are they... It's funny to say, are they realistic All-Ireland contenders? Because if they're beaten next weekend, they're, they're in big bother. But what sort of position do you think they're in? 
Well, I, I think they're in a great position because they've got stronger and they've got they've got their, their their balance right in the team. And as John was saying there, and Eddie, like they are attacking. No, they're defending as well, and they're playing hard at defence. And maybe their sports would feel their defence is the weak point. But from like from midfield up, like you know, young Taylor midfield, great, great pace. Malone do a lot of donkey work. Uh, Fitzgerald playing over his skin, peak wing forward. He's centre forward, usually out midfield. They only play at five up front, but they keep alternating. Like you have Shane O'Donnell, Tony Kelly. Like even the last day, uh, they played out Aidan McCarthy, who was probably their best forward all year. It, it wasn't noticeable because they have that back up. And they led David Reed isn't playing at all. He's injured somewhere. But like, they are, 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 to me, are more advanced than people think because they haven't been shown in the last few years have been kind of knocked out here. And they could be knocked out next weekend as well. But to me, they have the potential to rattle anyone and to go to go the whole way. They're, they're be- more than people think, because people think because, you know, they're not winning, say, minor and under 21. By the same token, this year they've done much better with the, with their underage groups. But like... The minors, been, yeah. Whereas down in Galway here, the big question here is, how come we're not putting any under 20 together? We've won the last few minors, like the, was the under 20 squad this year had two minor teams that won all Ireland. I think another one that was in all Ireland and didn't show at all. So like... The, here there's a big kind of debate going on what's happening between 17 and 18 to 2021. Whatever is happening, there's something there's something gone radically wrong because like uh, a team that had won a couple of all Ireland minor titles not even showing up in the under 20. It it you know it, it's it's something for God to look at. But to me, uh, Michael Clare are much more advanced and there's only now people are taking notice, but to me, like they're they're a hard, strong team. And if the ref lets it flow, that suits them. They like the physicality, that's the way they play. And to me, they're going to be a match for anyone. Eddie, they obviously have a massive, a massive game this weekend. Where, where do you like? They have a lovely balance, as Cyril says. There, they've got the experienced players and the likes of, uh, we'll say, Conlon, O'Donnell, and Kelly. Loads of youth mixed in. Adam Hogan in now, cornerback as well. Um, like they seem they're they're a nice. It's a nice package, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is. It's a lovely package, and I just think um, myself even. And we said it, I think, in the outset when we were kind of looking ahead, you know, I felt clear we're the, we're the third team in Munster. But I would imagine, look, and I put myself in from, from what we learned as a group was when you came up short and when you really didn't perform, that leads to a nice bit of soul searching. And if they have a man that will question them, probably more blunt than anyone, it's Brian Lowen. But they are... Oh, they'll kill for Brian Lowen. And I think that's what this Clare team are doing. He has stuck by them through the bit of messing that went on since he came in there. And now that has all subsided and all the energies are going into the Hurling team. There's no doubt about it. He is a player's player, like their, our player's manager, like they're mad about him. But, and come back to the point, I suppose I looked at him and you knew they were going to bring the fire against Limerick. And maybe not to the extent, so we're guilty maybe, I am anyway, not giving them the credit. And when you look at last year when against Kilkenny, you know, they were probably spun out physically and they probably went back to the well even deeper this year in the winter, being clear. But they have, they are now right up there. And I think if, Lone will want to win a Munster title, he'd love not more. But I think maybe if they are to possibly win an All-Ireland, and I think they're up there in the top two or three at the moment, I think you have to give them that credit and respect, they are real All-Ireland contenders. I think if they didn't if they didn't come true, if they weren't to win Munster, I think if they went in as the third team in Munster now, and I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if they came through as the third team in Munster, I would really fancy them to go hard on the All-Ireland. I think it might suit them nicely to get another match under their belt. Uh, if they were to play maybe a Dublin or someone like that or a Wexford, it wouldn't suit them again. But just two players, I, I spoke about Ryan Taylor a few weeks ago and how he's doing a lot of graft for them. 
But you mentioned him there. Carl Malone is doing so much unseen heavy lifting for them. He's a bit Will Donahue-like, and he is doing such an important job. And then up front, Jesus, look at the attacking options. Look at the impact they got off the bench. So whatever way they do it, but I, I, I know for a fact, if, if you were facing into them coming through at the tour team in Munster, like they did in 13, I would be very, very aware of them. I think they're a very, very dangerous team now. And to be fair to them, they are up there in the top two, three for all Ireland contenders. John, your thoughts on, on Clare as well? They're right. They're right in the mix. They seem to be. Uh, seem to like it was kind of a, a write off of a league campaign, really. But they seem to be coming to the boil when it really matters. Well, I'll put it this way: if they performed the way they performed in the first half last Saturday night, they won't be in any All Ireland series. That's been strange because because Cork will beat them, and you know you go to that game this Sunday, they still have to beat Cork to qualify. Like. So, like it's nearly. Sunday's game with Cork is nearly has a knockout feel because if they were to lose the Cork, I mean we go back to it that that draw down in down in between between um, Cork and and Clare has put a spanner in the works in the, in this monster championship. So that kind of puts them in a bit of a predicament. If they were to lose the Cork the weekend, they could potentially be knocked out because you know that will put Cork on five points. You're thinking Tipperary are going to are going to land on 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 five five points. Uh, potentially Limerick will probably have to win their last two games to uh, to qualify. We're thinking they probably they will 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 react and they'll win those two games. But yeah, this is a massive, massive game for uh, Clare. So the likelihood is that they're probably going to end up in a Munster final. Uh if if they win win the weekend, will that suit them? I'm not so sure. Like the most laughable thing in all this lads, we're talking, you know, se- leaving aside the game Saturday night, Clare and Waterford, which is probably, you know, a very disappointing uh, game. But, like, they have a massive, massive, uh, you know, battle again Sunday. You know, if they have to go into a Munster final, they have another massive battle again in, in a Munster final. If they were to win that, they were in a semi-final. If they were to lose, they would come up, come up short. So, you know, the most laughable thing, Kilkenny and, and, and Paul, we are just sitting back, just watching everything unfold, night and fresh, and very, very hard like to go to the well over and over again in, in such a short period of time. Like, you know, for if Clare are to push on and, and win an all earn, they're probably going to have to go to the well probably five, six times in the year. That's an that's an awful lot. Uh, and again, look, you go back to it, they're gonna to have to stay injury free. You go back to last year when 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 John Conlon got injured, he was a massive, massive loss to him. So, you know, if they're to pick up an injury to someone in their half back then, maybe a Dave McInerney, a Dermot Ryan. Or, or, or a John Conlon, you know, that would kind of, you know, would, would set him back. But most certainly, you know, what we've seen today, they have a lovely, Cyril is right, they have a lovely balance of their team. They have two or three lads to come out, come off the bench. Um, and, you know, up in Ennis the weekend, Cork will have it all to do to go up to, go, go up to Ennis and, and win up in Ennis. So, yeah, I, I think I think they'll they'll win the weekend. I think they'll be in the All-Ireland Series. Uh, and again, you just go from there. But, you know, if they were to meet Kilkenny again, a fresh Kilkenny team, you know, would they would they learn the wrongs of, of last year? You'd be hoping they would. Well, let's say, look, they'd have beef with Kilkenny, definitely, in that scenario. But I think what's significant as well, they have a relatively settled starting lineup, um, And that brings continuity, that brings familiarity, that brings lads comfort with each other and trust in each other. 
Yeah. And Michael, as well, like, going back to Saturday night, if I don't know who the referee is, but if you give the floor, like, Cork love room to dance. And if you give them the room, they'll dance around you. But I don't expect any room in it Saturday night on, on, the, on the weekend because Claire will know that. There'll be maximum making it physical within the rules. Like, I expect a savage game out Claire the weekend. I love that, sir. I was going to ask. I was going to ask. I was going to ask the two boys, Eddie. I'll throw it back to you. That's one of Cyril's great ones. If you give them room to dance, they'll dance. What's your fa- Eddie? What's your favorite Cyrilism? Oh, jeez, I don't know. There was there's a there's a few, but uh, I suppose peanuts to a monkey. I think I heard one time anyway. It's, it's, a, it's a classic, but um, yeah, no. Look, I, I I think that's that's I, I I love them little bits and pieces. And I suppose going back to when I started, even with the Sunday game. My first night was with with Cyril and Jiz. He was like he was like it was like getting your debut as a young lad coming in to play a match. You know, he just reassured me, and I'd have to say it was a pleasure. And I, for me personally, like our our trip there overseas there last August to be in a hurling hurling people's company. I, I love listening to little bits and pieces, and you know, I always pick up something. And I just think over the years to work with Cyril and that. Jeez, there's always little nuggets of information you'd be, you be twitching the ear to pick up and, 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 and carry with you. I know you said to me off air, John, I think yours is the 2003 All-Ireland Final. Sa- Santa Claus is delivered, Jerry. He's threatening. <laughs> <Yeah. all day. laughs> <laughs> and then Sandy, Sandy would, do the, would, do the, would do the celebration. But yeah, look, I'd, I'd echo those words with, uh, with Eddie. You know, Sir was top-class analyst in, uh, in RTE. Um, top class co-commentator, co-commentator with uh, with Gerald Cannon. Um, you know the service he gave gave to RD, the service he's he's given to, to Galway down through the years. And look, he's geez, we're not writing him off yet. Jesus, he's as I said, he's he, he's still in there giving giving a giving a hand with LIT and 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 uh, his, his own club up in Galway. But uh, yeah, an unbelievable, an unbelievable ambassador for for uh, for Galway hurling and, and hurling in general. You know, across the country. You know, you, you mentioned the words Cyril Farr. I mean, it just takes you back to those 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 golden years in the eighties when 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 Galway had that breakthrough. And you know, when I was growing up, you know, you know, I I wasn't young enough to, to remember nineteen eighty, but most certainly that back to back year in eighty eighty seven and eighty eight. Uh, unfortunately, the, that Galway team were probably good enough to go on and, and do it a three three in a row. But uh, we all know what happened there with the with the whole Tony Keady affair, you know, unfortunately. If, if we're talking about giving lads jobs, then it's been our place because, but Jesus, I'd love to see, and again, like as a director of Hurling or something like that, like someone, someone of Cyril's knowledge, and we're not just, I think it's well-earned praise, but it's just knowledge of the game, knowledge of Hurling, what's important for Hurling. I think to me, they're the people that the GA should be looking towards for assistance, for their input, into where hurling is going, and that's and that's what and that's what that's what I go back to even with Davy like the Davy's good friends with with Sarah. like the best thing Davy could do now in the next week or two is is sit down with someone like Sarah and, and and dissect it and say well look where's it gone wrong where do you think I can improve it and you know what what do you get get something like Sarah's opinion and say look where do you think going forward I should bring this water for project. Cyril, I won't. I know you won't like the lads bigging you up or anything like that. So I, I go, I'm going to move on a small bit here. But I'm going to throw one at you. You're obviously managed Galway to win three All Irelands in the '80s. Um, as a manager, you probably never dealt with this scenario. But in the Joe McDonough Cup over the weekend, Offaly, Offaly had qualified already before they played Carlo um, on Saturday, and all Carlo had Carlo had to beat Offaly to qualify for the final. Now Johnny Kelly named. Uh, 
I what would say was a second string Offaly team. And that meant that uh, regardless of the Leash Kildare result and Leash ended up, or Leash Kerry, Leash ended up Kerry. beating Kerry very, very, you know, handsomely after. But William Maher was kind of disappointed that Offaly didn't name, didn't name a stronger team. Like, what's your take on this? Like, to me, as an Offaly person, Johnny Kelly earned the right to name any team he wanted after winning four games. And the final is the only thing on his mind. Like, what do you think here? Was the integrity of the competition called into question at all? Well, you see, Johnny Kelly was in the position because they earned to be in that position. Now, I know where William Maher is coming from. Like, Leash would love to get a rat that Offaly. They would feel that the dog would rise to Offaly. But Offaly, like, we're a great hurling power for a small county. And as you say, step back and back. And it's now, after hard years, a couple of hard years working hard underage, getting the whole thing going again, they're now kind of a step away, kind of from, as we call it, maybe the big time again. And they, they were saying, to me, Johnny would be looking and say, well, he'd figure that Carlo would be easier to beat in the final than maybe Leash would. Now, he's entitled to do that. But like, the, he, he, and, and that's what has happened now. But what happens if Carlo beat them in the final? That's <laughs> That's what, like, if you're a Carlo man, they're going to be saying, hey, hold on a minute. Now, he put out a second team or kind of maybe there's a couple of injuries there as well. And, OK, we beat them well. Now, the, the feeling will be that Offaly will win the final and should win it. But supposing Carlo win it, then the question goes back on Johnny Kelly again, did he do the right thing? You know, like, uh, the integrity of the championship, look at sure when he's in that position, he can call it whatever he likes. He can say they were injured and they'll be available the next day. But, you know, it's, it's, it was tough on Leash and Kerry. It was tough on Leash when they won because they would love they would feel on any given day if the thing didn't drive them that they'd have a right good chance to be t- touch and go. Leash and Offaly would be a bit like uh, Limerick and Clare playing in the championship. The farm goes out the window on that kind of a day, you know. So, like, it's tough looking on Willie Maher, all right. Like, but Carlo to me are in a great position because no one is expecting to win the final now. Offaly be hot, hot favourites. And I expect, I expect Carlo to have a right cut at them. Yeah, no, they definitely will. I'm just going to read out, uh, going to read out a tweet from Niall Rigney, obviously the former, former uh, Leash star. He just tweeted the other night, and he just said, "Well, we could have done." Uh, he's talking about whether, um, you know, the Offaly situation was right, and whether Johnny Kelly was right to do what he did. He just said, "Well, we could have done the same if Leash had beaten Offaly, which we didn't. Uh, we could have done the same if Leash had beaten Carlo, which we didn't. So go and blame another team, county, for not qualifying and not your own performances is questionable." Uh, Eddie, you're obviously a former Leash manager. What are your own kind of thoughts on it? And if you were in the same position, what would you have done? Yeah, I, I, I think yeah, one thing Brian Cody always said to us was don't ever make excuses for your own lack of performance. If you didn't win, you weren't good enough. And there's no point in blaming anyone else. And yeah, it's a factor. Look, it happens. But I was in the situation where we had 3 or 3 one going into play Westmead in the last match. So that's right. We rung yeah. a few ch- we, 19, we rung, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we we rung a few changes. We we uh, it was a glorious opportunity for us to give guys a meaningful test, you know. And that was the way I approached it. Yeah, we left off some of the guys that had seen a lot of game time. We had a relatively settled starting team at the time, but I used it as a genuine, a genuine match where I said to the lads that maybe were on the periphery a little bit, hadn't seen as much game time, that were on the bench where to get starting games and say, lads, we're in our own patch against Westmead. This is not a match that is a gimme. We're not we're not rolling over here. And we had a right good match. But I suppose what I gained from it was Westmead rolled their full team and we were able to get a draw with them and have a good look at them and rest a few lads. And look, it worked out for us that way. Both of us were qualified, I think, anyway. So it was kind of a bit of a meaningless match in a way. But we were obviously able to then, you know, put a game plan together then and and be able to roll with that game plan to final. And they're great when they work out. Sometimes they don't. But just on on the leash thing, I just think, look, it's 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 disappointing to see them 
you know, slip back that that little bit. There's a lot of good players there. And I think in the general context, I think overall, I, I suppose the question we have to ask is, you know, are we as an organisation, look, the strong teams will be the strong teams, but we need to now look at that and say, how do we really genuinely get all those McDonough teams now up to a higher level? How do we, how do we, because we want to create more competition and that's probably the, the bigger issue with Hurland is that we need more getting up close to the top table and we need to be able to, you know, say, let's put meaningful plans in place. Let's put meaningful strategies in place to get them up higher and not that they're taking a step forward and then taking four steps backwards. That's what you don't want to see. We want more teams in Hurland. But just the last thing there, uh, uh, Verily, like I didn't see too many people giving out about uh, even out about off of these schedule of games, you know, leading into this, uh, into this draw, McDonough. I mean, I think that could have been their ninth game in in, in ten. I think, they, I think they've played. I think they've played twelve games in the last either fourteen or fifteen weekends, all told between league and championship. Yeah, so like if you're Johnny Kelly and you're looking at that and you're saying, "Well, look, if I, I have an opportunity here to, to rest players, give them the weekend off, you know, recharge the batteries." You know, geez, that's a no-brainer on, on his part. They were qualified. Now, look, geez, as Sirius touched on, you know, I still wouldn't be writing off, uh, writing off Carroll in this in, in this, this final. You know, they've put up some big results, and and they're they're there on merit. So uh, yeah, I think they were totally right to rest up a few players the weekend. Going off of the schedule, you know, the real intense schedule that they've had the last the last couple of months. Both Carlo and Offaly are obviously true to the All-Ireland preliminary quarterfinals. I think the winners play the third place in Leinster and the runners-up play the third place in Munster, don't it? So they'll be fascinating games. But gents, I'm just going to throw a couple of quick questions at the tree and you might just give me, and you can debate it over and back as well, given what your different opinions are on these questions. But the first one is, and I'll throw it to you, John. Um, what uh, What's the biggest issue which Hurland faces at the moment or one gripe that you have with the modern game? You know, I think an awful lot of teams out there are trying to mirror what mirror what the All Ireland champions do instead of going out, as we've touched on here, having their own identity, going out and expressing themselves, playing their own game, and trying to win win hurling hurling games um, with their own identity rather than trying to mirror uh, the All Ireland champions. And I think that that happens over and over again when you have the All Ireland champions. You know, you have team after team trying to mirror, uh, you know, or replicate what the All Ireland champions are after doing. So that will be a big, you know, kind of a big issue for me. Like, you know, by all accounts, you'll never do the same thing. Is not what will take Limerick down. It will be something kind of different that will take him down or whatever. Yeah, Cyril, I throw it over to you as well. What's uh, any gripe you have with the modern game? Well, John is right. What he says there, like if if say if Limerick train at seven o'clock in the morning. And the three or four of us are going in over, say, wherever we're going over, we're going to train at six o'clock. Like, you're trying to follow what's there, you know, ahead of you. What I don't like in the modern game, it's, it's, it's some of this played like a PlayStation. You know what I mean? They're talking about the modern game. The lads are fitter than ever. They're very, very more skillful than ever. But to me, the game has slowed down because it's all about possession. Like, if you give the ball away, so it's a slow hand, it's a hand pass or whatever it is, a throw pass, it doesn't matter, it's a hand pass. So they walk the ball up. And on the way up the pitch, a lot of time the ball will break down and then you have these famous rooks, which never used to be in the game when the ball, when you played a little bit more direct. Like, you know, that, that to me, the, the, the hand pass and, and the rooks to me are, are kind of, 
you know, the, the, the rule in the game, it was never really in hurling as much as it is now with the rooks because the passes are falling down. Unless, unless you're very good at it, now Limerick, are, uh, they're doing the stick passing. But again, when it breaks down, there's all these famous rooks. Like, and uh, it's actually slowing down the game. Like before, if you give a quick book outset to a wing back, he launched it to a full forward line that had three in it, not one or two, that had three inside and going for scores. That doesn't happen now, very little. Even though after saying that now, I looked at two matches there lately, clear under 20s and clear minor teams. And at times, they let the ball in long to a three-man full forward line. Now, they reverted around again, but a lot of the time, they let it in. So I, I think the county team that comes out and goes back okay, they can, they can pack a defence at times, but they come back and playing three inside. The full back line will get such a shock. I think they'll go to Townham because most of the fullback you now this year played there, said Michael Cornerbacks, eh? Like there's three in the fullback line, and the most up front is two or maybe one and a half. There's never three on three. So like they're they're leading a privileged life. I'd love to see that change. <laughs> and sir, when you have that cup of coffee with Davy, you know, might have that. <laughs> 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 um it's gas. We might end up going back to the future. Maybe you wouldn't know. Maybe we'll end up back with, with, with six forwards uh, rotating in positions or something like that. Eddie, what's your what's something maybe that you're you're not a fan of at the moment in the modern game? Um, yeah, look, I, I suppose there's a few little bits and pieces, but look, I think mainly consistency. And I know like consistency in, in, in how things are, are probably <clears throat> that the calls are made. And maybe, you know, sometimes we're, we're, we're putting a little bit of a squeeze on our officials and, and they're really, really important in our game. But um, I just think from, from, from the perspective of, and it's not maybe the biggest issue, like, like the throw is an issue, I think, at the moment. There's, there's, there's so many people just they're just throwing the ball. I think some lads can even throw it behind them, even without even you know. So that that's something that needs to be. But just consistency in in some of the stuff. And I and I, I've spoken about this, and it might be something that a lot of people don't agree with because we we, we want to keep hurling as fast and as flowing as possible. But I would like to see a little bit more use of maybe a fourth official or just on some of the big calls because I still think we're we're missing some of the big calls. And when they're having, when it's costing the team their championship, and I know it's a few seasons ago, and we don't want to be bringing up the old ones, but the likes of the that famous goal below with Austin or with Austin below, and like them type of scenarios, I'd like to see him in a limited situation where we don't see a team bowing out of a championship because of a big obvious call. And I know we have the hindsight of television, but it's worth a pilot. It's worth a look at in terms of that. And, and like that and between your, your little bit of cynical foul and I think them two things if we could just try tidy them up a little bit because it is the best game in the world but like Cyril I'd love to see you played at that 100 miles an hour where lads are forced to kind of think on the spot and, and, and hurl off the cuff and outwit your opponents I mean that's what we love and I get look coaching is coaching it's teams are coaching to, to win so um, but that for me is just the one I think the little bit of inconsistency support our officials a little bit more and you know what, lads, the diving. When you have six foot two oh, or yeah. six foot three lads fighting, hitting the ground, and you know, Jesus rolling around the ground like they've been hit by a fucking Jesus. How, how would the game look, lads, if they experimented in the league with no hand pass allowed, only stick passes? No hand pass at all. Be interesting, yeah. It's looking at now, I don't know how to like, yeah, like that, but it's to bring more hurling into it. Do you know what I mean? The way it is going now, like you could move the ball up the pitch from goalkeeper up the whole way with a hand pass. Hand. You know? Well, look, I suppose that's that's the skill of the game. That's a, that's a skill is thinking your way through it. That sometimes you use a hand pass, but I think you're the, the essence of what we're saying is to cut out this throw because there is a lot of balls just being fired. Like I, I would argue, and this was the most. There's lots of examples. 
I think the Cork goal, the last day, the last goal against Tip, like, Jesus, it, it looked very, very obvious. And look, there's nothing we can do to change it. It stood and that's it. But I think you hate seeing that happen. Like, if you can get a good hand pass off, it's a good skill to use. But to, to pilot it might well be worth doing something like that. I tell you one thing, Eddie, next, in the next weekend in, in Innes, the hand passes, <laughs> the coppers might be giving them, but they'll, they'll know they're giving one. <laughs> yeah, there, there wouldn't be, four, four drones wouldn't keep up with us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last one I throw to Ichi, I'll go to you, John, again first. Who's the best player you played with or against throughout your career? And the best player I, I, I ever, you know, uh, came up against, you know, from a defender's point of view would have been um, Ollie Cannon. I mean, look, he was unfortunate not to, not to win in All-Ireland, but look, there were some top-class class defenders around and at that time, you know, Jackie, JJ, Tommy Welsh, you know, Brian Murphy, Frank Lowen, uh, Sherlock, but yeah, Ollie Cannon for me was, you know, and Eddie will echo this, Jesus, that you got off him, you... Jesus, he wouldn't give you give you an inch. So yeah, for me, it would be it would be Ali Canny. Sir, same question to you. Except uh, I'll, I'll add in, it could be a player that you managed or managed against. Yeah, well, a lot of them are very good against us. You know, like uh, I suppose I had a, I had a, the privilege of managing John Connolly at the end of his career, and then I had Joe Cooney from when he started to when he finished, more or less. Like you know, like they were just different type of players. Like. Uh, I remember playing Joe Cooney's first game, minor trial, minor against him. We could get him in goals, would you believe? Like he, he used to catch everything with either hand. He, he, didn't, use his hurl, he didn't have to use his hurl, that kind of a, But he had that skill. Like against us, oh God, there were some great hurlers. Like we, we had some, you know, like Sir Jerry Henderson centre back. Mightn't be flashy, but by Jesus, like you'd get nothing down the middle. You would, you'd get a rap going through and you wouldn't be able to go through again. You know, that, that, that pure kind of physicality, but honest. That kind of, you know, like Jesus or Ireland. Like John is talking there, like through, like, like he's, he was such a good carnivore. He was going to get special attention the whole time. And that's another thing now, lads. To be fair to the game, the fourth. <laughs> before, Eddie, you didn't play in the real hard times, but Andy, you got away all night enough. But like, forwards, a good forward lads way back in our time. So he was murdered if, if the ball was at, even at the ball being at the other end. Now, like, to be fair, it's it's more open. Like, you know, it's, and like, so Kilkenny had forwards, like, you, you dread playing Kilkenny because if you marked one fella, the other fella came up, but didn't, like, you playing, in my, playing against Kilkenny, you, had, you know, you had Eddie there and you had, you had, you had DJ and his time. And you had always top players. Henry, you had all, they always seemed to have top players. And it always seemed to be the forwards of our top players, which is which is a great thing for a county. Sarah, the question I want to ask you, you know, you're on about corner backs there, and you know, say Sylvie Radio corner forwards. What was Sylvie like in training? <laughs> Sylvie <laughs> John, Sylvie had more skill than people ever could imagine. Left or right doing the ball work. He had great wrists, very hard, very tough. But Sylvie would be the very same in training as he would in, in a match. That's he'd play flat out. And I remember in 79, we were training the team and he wasn't on it. And uh, we were beating the All-Ireland final. And I was saying, I was training, but I wasn't coached at the team or it was they had a good all set up, but we were all kind of going and I was taking over the team. And I remember in October, we had a get together at the end of October, only a puck round in Athen Ryan. It was a, it was a frosty Saturday evening and uh, Sylvie came down, down this little hill that's right, a tracksuit on him. Now we had got tracksuits for the All-Ireland, we wouldn't get much that time. But anyway, how he comes and I said to him, <laughs> I said, Sylvia, you should be playing wearing that tracksuit. And he said to me, certainly said, it's cold. I said, I don't mean that. I said, I mean for God. And he turned around and he put the bosses the hurl up under my chin. And he said, if you give me a chance, he said, I don't mind where you play me. He said, 
I won't let you down. I'll play every day for Galway and I'll be, you know, give me the chance. Like, and you, you could play him anywhere. To me, pound for pound was a great bit of stuff. And a rogue, sure, like, he'd kill you if he got away with it. But that's, that's the way he played and you could kill him as well, you know. <laughs> that's the way it was. Sir, no, sir, you always said about Ger Henderson. One of the first matches that I recall being at was 86 above in Torless. And himself and Linsky, oh my good God. I was, I was in behind the barbed wire in the front of the, or the in Seventh Stadium. And I was afraid, like the belt they'd done each other was horrific. It's funny you mentioned that match. They took off the jerseys afterwards and saw the two of the bodies. Now that, like, she, <laughs> like, the gladiator, like, oh, two strong, tough men. But, like, honest, if you know what I mean, there was no belt yeah. like, oh, that they earned your cheese. Like, different hurling in, like, that's, that's the way it oh, was. Jesus, like. raw, raw meat. Yeah. Earl, was it Linsky? It's funny you mentioned Linsky. Was it Linsky and Pat Delaney that time that ended up marking each other in a challenge game? Do you remember that one? No, what we did that day was we were playing awfully and Pat Delaney was coming to the end of his career and he was centre forward and he was he was centre forward and Tony Keady up in the place, uh, what do you call it? Monster Evan, up in the pitch. And Delaney was pulling everywhere now, down, you know, being raw and he was <laughs> wouldn't fancy getting the belt in the challenge game. So at halftime, I know I put Michael Coleman back, took off this game, but Michael Coleman back, centre back. And so Jesus, Coleman would have left hand on top and like he'd just stand back and Full hard on top of it. It was, it was like it was, it was raw. Like, you know, where did I say? Well, it was like a, a council that couldn't, couldn't kiss us. Like, oh, Jesus. Like, <laughs> you wouldn't get away with that now. Like, but like, but uh, there, was, but there, was none worse, there was none worse for a corner forward. If, if you were marking a corner back in training you know, and a lad and he's after being dropped. Right, he's trying to get oh, back in. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, lads. Christ. I remember Tom Feeney, right? Justin Adam dropped for. That was the best part of the year. And he was, Jesus, any night he used to come training, particularly in the winter time. I remember he used to be training up in, um, oh, what was the name of the place? Uh, up in Aglish, up in real cold winters night. It could be minus three. And Tom had come out and he'd have the fucking bit between his teeth. And you know, he could be mounting Tom and training. You know, he sell for Owen McGrath. So Owen McGrath was mounting one Tuesday night. And Tom was still fucking pissed off that he wasn't getting into the, ma- getting into the team. Lo and behold, Owen was going through and Tom, Manny, there came the fucking sword just straight across the body. Owen did a big somersault, hit the deck. That was grand to choose. But I was marrying the Thursday night. I was marrying, oh, fucking Edison, I'm going to get the fucking scene. So going through and there was the already ready, whack, sword across the watch collar. <laughs> get some. <laughs> Sorry, Mull, but I had to deal with kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord Eddie I leave the last word to you greatest player you played with or against oh uh, Jesus JJ just just I just uh, had the, the the privilege or the the penance of having to mark him so many nights just just the brain was always engaged um, smart clever fella just there was always method to what he was doing um, and and like you look at even his career just you know he never got involved in messing either but he was able to stand his ground with anyone we had him you know he marked the best continuously and I think what made him so special probably was the fact that he was arrived on the scene as an all singing all dancing half back able to catch ball all that stuff beside Peter Barry really complimented each other well and then when he was needed to go in full back and and just was able to seamlessly adjust his own game and not be worried about playing hurling. As in, he knew that full back was a different place. You had to be able to 
know when to stick or twist and know when to let maybe the forward have the ball sometimes and let him take a point. He was just very, very shrewd at playing the game like that. And and like I said there, his 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 career was was, you know, untarnished with any cards or any silly stuff. Like he he didn't involve in that. He he just always went and hurled. Well, for, such I, a, for, so, yeah. for such a small man, he was probably one of only two people that could catch a ball eerily over over Dan Shanahan's head. How he was able he to do it. And I think it was he, a fact he caught one out of his mouth in 08. It literally caught one. It was going to hit down in the mouth when he JJ caught it. It was like octopus. Yeah, you no. said he got involved in none, none of the messy stuff. I I do recall him and Lara having a few boxes on the ground one time, but that's that's uh, that's for another day, gents. Thanks. I was getting that. old and slow then, Mikey. <laughs> but that's it for that's it for this week's show. My thanks to Eddie Brendan, John Milan, and especially Sir Farrell for joining me. We'll be back next week, and in the meantime, don't forget to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. Thanks for listening, and goodbye.